Hi everyone, I'm your host, Jaco Selka, and you are listening to Hopefully Sustainable. Each week, I'm going to talk to extraordinary people who are doing extraordinary things to make the world a more sustainable place. My goal is for this episode to leave you feeling hopeful about an idea, a person, or the world in general. Thank you for joining me in this conversation, and all together we can be hopefully sustainable. Hi everyone, thank you for joining me for another episode of Hopefully Sustainable. If you are a listener in the United States, as you most likely and hopefully know, this is a huge week as it is election week. So if you have not voted already, please, please, please go out to the polls and vote. If you still have a mail-in ballot, please do not mail it in, but make sure that you look into drop-off locations and make sure that you have the best voting plan in order to make sure that your vote counts. I also just want to give a reminder that this is probably going to be a very stressful week with the election results coming in delayed, so just make sure to give yourself the right mental space that you need for your own mental health this week. And just remember to be hopeful And I'm trying to be hopeful myself as we get through this next week. I also want to give a quick reminder that No Waste November has now started. So if you are interested in finding challenges and different ideas for each day of the month, you can check out last week's episode where I interviewed the host of the Sustainable Savings podcast, Mike Joseph, and there's some great ideas in there. And you can also check out the Instagram at Hopefully Sustainable Pod. I have posted a calendar there to help you accept this challenge and hopefully learn some ways that we can become more sustainable throughout the month. And there are no judgments. It's just a way for us to have fun and try to become more sustainable. Now, as we get into today's episode... We are talking about a topic that we discussed in one of the very first episodes of Hopefully Sustainable, which is sustainable fashion. But today I am speaking with Anhad Buller, who actually called in from India. So it was a really amazing experience to have our second international guest on the podcast and for her to be calling in at a completely different time of day where My morning was starting and her day was ending, so I'm very thankful that she took the time to speak with us. She is the founder and owner of House of Hindi. Founded in 2019, House of Hindi is a women-driven sustainable fashion and lifestyle brand with a mission to celebrate textiles and honor women. Anhad discusses her brand throughout the episode how they incorporate the ancient technique of Hindi weaving, the importance of empowering women and preserving this cultural technique, and we have a great discussion on the intersection of sustainability and fashion and why the sustainability of her industry and of her brand is so important to her. The women of Himachal Pradesh, who are employed by House of Hindi, create such beautiful products. I really encourage you to check them out. They create throws, dresses, all of these amazing textiles and different items that you can wear and that you can put in your house. They also use zero electricity, zero chemicals, 
and they produce zero waste. So sustainability is really at the forefront of this brand. Anhad was so kind and I truly felt like I made a friend after recording this episode. So I encourage you all to give them a follow, follow Anhad, follow House of Hindi, and I really think that you'll think that you have found a friend as well. And I'm really grateful that there are fashion brands out there who are making this sort of impact in the industry because as you'll learn more throughout the episode, the fashion industry is one of the largest polluting industries that we have. So this is a very important conversation that we have today. So let's get started. All right. Welcome back, everyone, to another episode of Hopefully Sustainable. I'm extremely excited about today's episode. We are actually speaking with somebody in India today. So it's currently 8 in the morning where I am and around 5.30 p.m. where she is located. So it's really exciting how this podcast has allowed me to meet people all over the world who are working in the sustainability space. So today I'm really excited to introduce you all to Anhad Buller. And she is located in India, like I mentioned, and she is the founder of House of Hindi, which is a women-driven, sustainable fashion and lifestyle brand. And their mission is to celebrate textiles and honor women. So it seems like a really amazing brand, and I'm really excited to learn more about it. So can you tell us a little bit about yourself and what you do? Thank you so much for such a beautiful, beautiful introduction, Jacob. I am so honored to be here. Uh, I feel so strongly about the subject that you have uh, so beautifully articulated in all your podcasts till now. And I'm so happy to be here and talk to you and talk to all your listeners uh, and tell a little bit about me and my journey. So I'm from India. I was born and raised here until about 2007 is when I decided to pursue my further education abroad. So I did my schooling up until my 12th grade here in India in Delhi. And then I moved to Edinburgh, which is a beautiful, beautiful city in Scotland. And I studied international business for four years uh, from 2007 to about 2011. While I was in Edinburgh, I, of course, loved the Scottish culture. And that's where I kind of picked up the nuances and the beauty of their original textile, which is the Scottish Uh, tweed which is a fantastic unique textile that you know their government has protected and savored for so many years Um, during my time in Edinburgh I did an exchange program uh, in and I came to Boston actually for my third year and that's where I did my major in sustainable enterprise so that's how uh, I you know picked up the beauty and the actual relevance of sustainable enterprise in today's uh, very rapid growing market and uh, environment. And this was back in 2009. So I was very fascinated about it. I came back to Edinburgh. I came back to India, graduated, and then I decided to further study. And that's when I um, went to Polymoda in Florence in Italy for my master's. And that's where I studied luxury and lifestyle um, to kind of, you know, understand the entire luxury Uh, spectrums of industries and that included jewelry fashion auto automobiles all sorts of beautiful things that you know we're surrounded with 
from 2014 till about 2017 i was just you know mulling over all the wonderful things that i have learned in terms of education and uh, in terms of my upbringing also because my parents here in india run a beautiful um enterprise for over 32 years now and they specialize in creating furniture and um home goods that are completely made by hand and promote the indian crafts and indian aesthetics so it pretty much the entire thing came around where sustainability was a part of it where art and you know architecture had a huge role to play in it and of course my education in scotland kind of taught me a lot of things and combining all of these like somewhat like a crucible of sorts that all my experiences and all my exposures came together uh, to form house of hindi where we wanted to create a beautiful textile uh which is made completely by hand uh where i mean the process it takes about 7 to 8 months for the entire process of bringing the wool from the sheep the local sheep to actually making it into a final product it the 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 time span is about 7 to 8 months so advocating for a sustainable enterprise and advocating for the concept of an enterprise run by women for women and uh and you know just something that will last you a lifetime so that's how the whole concept of house of hindi started and here we are <laughs> that's wow. that's where we're at that's incredible that you got to study in all these different countries i'm sure that was such an amazing experience and i'm really looking forward to diving into house of hindi but i'm interested when you studied international business was there a focus on sustainability or Did you see that connection with sustainability? I know here in the United States there's still definitely a big separation between business and sustainability and I know that's something that a lot of us in the sustainability field are are trying to work towards more of people seeing that connection. Was that something that you got to experience? It is such a pertinent question. Like what you've asked has literally, you know, hit the nail. Um very honestly the international business degree that all schools i mean worldwide all schools provide you it's such a commercial and a mass monetary driven you know enter, like enterprise driven not i can't even put it in words you know it's such a commercial existence of sorts that sustainability is a completely separate chapter i feel sustainability is just kind of left to the people who are the tree huggers and the ones who you know kind of just are the sideline of the people who just keep singing their own song and you know like i just feel there's such a big divide between the financial world and the sustainable enterprise world that it's almost impossible to combine the two and i i can understand why that is because of often time most of the times when we are wanting to buy a sustainable product it's far more expensive and that's the divide that's the divide which technically just happens because the demand and the supply ratio between something sustainable and something which is mass made it, it's it's just so different and it is so difficult to match the two and that's probably why commerce comes always and commerce wins usually because there's more demand for things that are cheaper um so yeah i when i was in school definitely in my four years of international business sustainability was not a main subject it was there it was mentioned but it was never really 
a topic that we should have focused on as much as we should and we need to. So, um, yeah, so I think it's such a pertinent question and we have got to train our, um, our education system needs to, you know, tell people and incorporate sustainability in, into, uh, into the most basic form of sustainability and not only in college, it, it, it has to start even when children are in school or even when they're really young. I definitely agree with you. It's just becoming more and more of an important issue and I feel like Moving forward, as we face all of these more visible issues of climate change, that it's going to be almost impossible to ignore the field of sustainability because it's just going to become so intertwined into every single other field if we want to be able to sustain our resources and sustain our lifestyles. Absolutely, absolutely. And there's no denying that. I mean, um, it's in front of us. I mean, we're sitting in the middle of a pandemic and I know people had predicted this and I know things are changing and this is, it could be man-made or whatever it is, but by the end of it, it is damaging lives. And, and what's more important than having each other around us and a, and a world which has peace? I mean, there's nothing more important than that, right? So uh, we have got to change and we have got to at least set the path for our next generation to at least consider having an option of life, which is, or a lifestyle, which is a bit more sustainable. hundred percent. It's very important. Yes, I totally agree with everything you just said. So now I'm ready to dive into House of Hindi. I'm so excited to learn more about it. So you hit on it a little bit, but what exactly led you to found House of Hindi and how did you get it going off the ground at first? Sure. Okay. So I'm still in my very nascent stages of, you know, incorporating a brand and getting, getting it off the ground. Any business, no matter how small or big it is, it takes your life and soul. I mean, it, you have got to love it like your own child for, you know, for being able to see it grow. So I, I started in about 2018, to be precise, it was the end of 2018. And it kind of started with the concept of working with different textiles of India and uh, weaving techniques. And I was just always really fascinated with it. And it started with that fascination. Um, and then we had this beautiful farm up in the hills and my parents had always kind of, you know, uh, instilled in us the importance of nature and the importance of being surrounded by beautiful things that are offered to us only only by nature and that are not really man-made and uh, that understanding and the and I really really love winters so so my love for winters and my uh, love for textiles kind of inspired me to do something a little bit more unique which is not and especially in a hot country like India you know <laughs> it's really unusual for people to hear okay you're doing something in Boole or you're doing something which is for winter mm. uh, it took it, it that's been my pretty pretty much that's been my biggest challenge to kind of tell people that you know um, look here I mean these are our beautiful natural resources which we're using without without you know, harming the environment without causing any disruption, without creating any, any waste. We're not using absolutely any chemicals in the entire process of making our fabric. And most importantly, we're empowering and not only instilling faith, but also creating an opportunity for the local tribal women in a very small village and a very small uh, tribal community called the Gandhi tribe. 
uh, where just the household women are given the given the loom and they're given the spinning wheel and they're able to create such fantastic products just by virtue of their artisanal craft and their talent that they have been handed down from their generations and honest honest to god um if this talent is not uh, appreciated and it's not encouraged and not supported it really is going to die like the art form is eventually going to be extinct possibly even by the next generation because there's no demand for people and i take this responsibility upon myself as an educated indian as as a young indian woman to to be able to contribute even even in the tiniest form i mean even if i just have like a few women uh, i see the potential in it to grow and i want it to become international and i want to be vocal for my local and uh definitely take the local global you know because that's how the world is going to have this amazing exchange of ideas and enterprise and i mean this call is such a perfect example of that you know you're sitting in america i'm here in india and we're both passionate about something which is important to us and important to the earth i mean you know we're both um, advocating for something which is uh sustainable so that's how it kind of started and i can run you through the entire process of how we how we make our product as well yeah there's a lot i want to unpack there but i really like what you just said vocal for local i think yes. that's a really great phrase and especially i think during the times of the pandemic we've it's been brought to light how important our local communities are as we've Absolutely. kind of been shut down from the global aspect of how our economy normally works it's absolutely so much more important to just support our local businesses so i love that phrase vocal for local local for local absolutely absolutely we started this campaign on our instagram a few weeks ago saying that uh be vocal for your local and then try and do your best to take the local global so that the entire world can see your talent and it's not only just oh it's mine or it's my country so i should have it only in india or if it's an american company it should only be in america no that's not it you know i mean all americans should be passionate about all american brands and then they should want the entire world to be passionate about the same ones and it's just the same for us you know because that's the only way all communities even the ones which are not paid attention to are going to grow and that is such a huge topic i mean i know how america's had such challenging times with with the the black lives matter movement which is going on and it's just uh, we have got to feel passionately about our communities and if we don't do that someone else will you know take them over so you you you've got to have that pride in where you come from and try to be vocal about it so so that's definitely part of part of a movement that we we at hindi are trying to create yes that's wonderful so you hit on it um when you were talking about the process that you all use this hindi spinning method can you talk about the history of that and why you're having to preserve it and why it's not a common practice anymore absolutely so um i'm sure you've heard of mahatma gandhi he he was uh, a pioneer in the struggle for india to uh you know for, for the independence struggle which we had in 1947 uh, from the british rule and uh, it kind of started from that 
Uh, spinning is a very ancient technique of actually spinning the, the simplest form of a fabric, which is the yarn. How it's made, it's from the raw cotton or the raw wool. It gets spun on the spinning wheel by hand using no electricity. So it's all manual, manual labor. And it's just used with a small tool, which was created, um, I think, a really long time ago. In India, it, was, it became popular when Gandhi you know, created this movement, when we wanted to boycott uh, British cotton, which was being imported into India. And it was very expensive for the poor people to buy. And that's how this movement of spinning your own cotton started. And each household was given a small uh, spinning wheel, which is called the charkha in India. And it's a very, very capital intense, uh, capital, sorry, not only capital, but very, very labor intense, uh, uh, you know, process because each yarn is spun and spun and it's eventually made into a thread. And then the quality of thread can be different. It could be two ply, four ply, however much we want it to be, you know, customized. So we are trying to incorporate this beautiful technique into our, uh, you know, core of production, uh, the Hindi textile. Um, so once we, so I'll run you through the entire process. Okay. So no, the first, the first step is we collaborate with the sheep herders, which is a typical Gadi sheep, which happens only in this particular mountainous region of Himachal Pradesh in India. And it's a very cute little sheep. It's a mountain, mountain goat, or it's like a mountain goat, but it's actually a variety for sheep. Okay. And, um, and we get the herd to get the raw wool from them and we are using all fair wages only only the fair means of uh, trade with them they're paid fully in fact if not more than market uh, to achieve um, to get all the raw wool that comes to us once the raw wool is received by us we then hand sort it in different natural varieties of colors that exist so it's all tones of off-whites light grays dark grays, little bit of brown. So it's all natural colors because we as an enterprise want to advocate no, no harmful chemicals going into the stream of water. So no chemical dyes, no nothing. So it's all natural. So our color palette is only a few colors and all the combinations that we can make with, with all the natural uh, wool that's available to us. So after the hand sorting is the hand cleaning. All the sorting is done and then all the cleaning is done and then the natural air drying process of the wool starts. Once that's completed, the raw wool is then spun on the spinning wheel by the women of the Gaddi tribe uh, to create balls of yarn. So once the yarn is completed, it is then uh, again, either if it's a four ply, two ply, depending upon it goes through various levels of spinning. So if it's being done once to make it firmer, we spin it again. So it's kind of a long process after the spinning gets completed. After spinning, it gets put onto the looms. Is That's when the weaving part of it starts. So we, we also have um, the Gaddi tribal weavers who come and work with us. They weave. It takes about uh, five to seven days for about one meter of fabric or one yard of fabric uh, to be woven in different patterns, textures, color combinations, and all of that. And then it's all manual. So it's not a power loom. We weave all our products on the hand loom, which means the warp and the weft, each warp and each weft is um, fixed and placed by hand and all patterns are made by hand. 
So once the weaving is completed, uh, it, the yardage is done, that's when the most important and the tedious job comes is the felting, which is again a handmade process. It's a completely hand done um, uh, you know, process where the women hand wash and hand stamp the fabric to make it sturdy, to kind of you know, make it interlocked in a way where it becomes um, almost water repellent and almost fire resistant. So it's kind wow. of like a very, very strong fabric, which is not only warm, but it also is kind of protective as a protective shield to your, um, you know, um, for, for you to use. And once that's done, it is, um, of course, then either it can be, so up until here, we use absolutely no chemicals, absolutely new, no electricity. And, uh, and also we don't create any waste because the washing of the product is also done with natural roots and natural seeds um mm -hmm. i don't know if you know about the soap nut it's like an it's like a nut which creates foam when you put it in water and mix it oh, so wow. that's the kind of we use um, we don't even use any uh, chemical soap to wash our to wash our product so it's so it's that natural. And once the products are ready, the, the textile is ready. Of course, our most important and our most iconic product is our throw or a blanket. It's mm. a beautiful thing. And uh, each piece is unique. None of, our, none of our pieces are alike. We try, to put, we try to encourage the form of luxury that one of each because we want to have that individuality which kind of you know, reflects like just like humans you know just like the sheep where we get so each one is different and we want to show that too so we try not to produce anything um more than once of course there are similar patterns different techniques all of that um also because we want to stray away from the concept of mass production we try to do all one of a kind bespoke um you know uh, bespoke driven uh, fashion items where we create a product only for you and um, and also we don't like to make a lot of things and keep them because that's also against sustainability so whenever something is needed is when it's made specifically for the customer and um, so so only when the time of a stitching of a garment comes that's when we use of course the electric machines and then you know things like hardware and things like all the things that are machine made we try to avoid so most of our most of our clothes are hard without hardware so we don't like the concept of using zips because again that's a polyester material it's not very mm. sustainable you know all the products that do worst case scenario they do end up in a landfill they should not harm the earth you know they should just melt away naturally so we try to use all materials that are natural all our buttons all our belt buckles are made with natural teak wood um which is biodegradable you know we we source it from sources from absolutely sustainable means it's mostly recycled and uh, for linings of our clothing and for jackets i find that so you know i find that so challenging because everyone um all brands worldwide no matter how big or how small the brand is they always use the polyester material for the inner lining of a garment of a jacket uh, okay which is the worst part no matter how pure i mean i'm not even going to take names but the biggest <laughs> of brands that sell jackets worth thousands and thousands of dollars have a polyester material lining in it which is it's a completely machine-made product no matter how um 
uh, you know, expensive it is, but it is definitely damaging to the environment. So I wanted to, again, stray away from that polyester problem. And we started, we tied up with a small community, which is in the western part of India, in Rajasthan, where we actually get recycled saris to, uh, to be used, uh, recycled materials, which are made usually with silks and cottons. And uh, again, they're usually hand-woven um, or, or, you know, sourced from places which are kind of just waste so we regen rejuvenate them we kind of clean them we uh, process them so that they are they can be reused and they are um, they add so much life and so much character to the product and uh, so we use that as inner linings for all our jackets and our products and our dresses and um, and then the tweed can be used for upholstery it can be converted into cushions home goods and all sorts of beautiful stuff. Wow, I just love that entire process because I think how most of us go to the store and buy something and there's really probably no thought put into who's going to be purchasing that item. But when you buy something from House of Hindi, the consumer is the person that's in mind throughout the entire journey. And it's such a personal experience to whoever is going to be either wearing something from House of Hindi or using in their house so that's so amazing absolutely you know that's the beauty of our product because the customer should also have the same value system for the environment around us only then can someone appreciate and is willing to pay the price to acquire a house of hindi product you know um and we we often spend a lot of money on expensive products or aspirational luxury or brands that are you know made to look so beautiful and we just are always aspiring to buy but actually that same product has been made a thousand other times without thinking who the consumer is just to create a brand aura around it so with us we just completely did reverse engineering we wanted to make, keep customer first we wanted to keep the the purpose of the brand first. We want to market the concept of sustainable luxury. And it's not only, it's not only like, we, we're a very affordable luxury brand. It's not, it's not that we're, you know, charging, we're, we're completely focused on the concept where the, the fair amount of money goes back into the environment and it goes back into the community because they are the ones who are funding us into you know making such a beautiful product and not only monetarily but also um uh, culturally i mean their biggest contribution is the cultural referencing and the cultural talent that um our generation hasn't seen because they've been passed it on the te technique of spinning the technique of weaving and the way only these only these people in the community can handle this wool and no one else i mean if you just put it into machines and use chemicals to soften it and all of that i mean then it's just yet another yet another brand which is trying to you know cater to just the mass needs so that's what kind of my challenge has been to put my point of view across to the customer to the audience and um, none of it is as important as the concept of making something by hand by people and giving it back to the community you mentioned that there is zero electricity used for the majority of the process, zero chemicals and zero waste. 
In one of the very first episodes that we did on this podcast, we focused a lot on sustainable fashion and how the fashion industry in general has such a large impact on the environment. So why was it so important to you to create a sustainable fashion brand, whereas I feel like it probably would have been a lot easier to just make a brand where you didn't even think about these things. And why do you just see the sustainable fashion industry in general as being so important? Absolutely. I mean, you have asked me such a such a such a personal question, you know. I <laughs> I, I question I question that to myself almost every every day when I'm having a rough day, you know, why did I choose this? What, what's in this? I should have just done something else, you know, to be honest, really. Fashion is the second most polluting industry in the world. It is, it has got the maximum amount of carbon footprint only because of the chemical dyes, because of the, um, the poor labor, labor utilization. Just overall, just overall, starting from getting the cotton from one place, getting the buttons put in another place, getting the you know the zip put in another place and then selling it in another place like the amount of carbon footprint one single t-shirt one single shirt has you know traveled the world more than we have to be honest Mm -hmm. it is so so harmful and it just doesn't stop there it goes on because the product is sold so cheaply I mean if you buy a t-shirt for seven dollars can you tell me how much the person who made it got to make it? Like, we can't even say that. I mean, probably like 1p or something, you know, one yes. cent or something, you know. And then if the person who made it, was he or she even given the money? Were they even given fair wages? I mean, let alone all of that. That T-shirt is probably worn once or twice by the customer, maximum 10 times. So the cost for wear is even like in, in certain pens, like it's super, super cheap. Once that t-shirt finishes its job with the customer, hardly any of us recycle our products, hardly. We don't even uh, give them away to someone. We usually just throw them away in the bin. Yeah. Um, and then what happens? Where does that go? You know, it ends up in a landfill probably. And then because of the elastic or because of the polyester, mix in that pure cotton t-shirt it probably stays on the surface of earth for the next 2000 years and we won't even know about it right for us it was just an impulse seven dollar purchase but we have absolutely no idea where it came from and where it goes so that journey of a product and the journey of the um how can I say the 360 movement of a simple product that we have so many of in our wardrobes? How do we justify using that, and how do we justify leaving that behind us without, you know, contributing one percent of the entire process and giving back to the earth? So it's not only that. I mean, this is a very factual, and this just might sound very book knowledge like I mean it is it is the dirty truth and I shouldn't be saying it constantly but the fact of the matter is that each one of us and I'm all for fast fashion I love fast fashion I mean we all buy fast fashion it's not a problem to attain it and acquire fast fashion but the problem is how we utilize it what we advocate for every five t-shirts you buy you must buy one sustainable product Mm. so that all in all your percentage of 
of sustainability goes up slowly and slowly. And the moment you see that comparison of wearing a fast fashion product and a sustainably made small local brand product, you yourself will feel the difference. And in the long run, you're going to eventually then reduce that five t-shirts to maybe three t-shirts and buy two local brands. And, and that's how the circle is going to grow. And I just think that all of us need to make that effort to restitch that, you know, torn dress or uh, have something customized just to, our, to fit our size rather than just buying an extra large because it's on sale. You know, we, we kind of have to start thinking about these things in the more long term, because if we don't, then we're not even going to see the downfall of, of all of this in our lifetimes. We're surely not because technology is big enough and great enough to kind of help us not realize the consequences so far. But eventually in the next couple of generations, it is going to create a problem. And, and we have to be intelligent enough to kind of think in the future for them and for, for the people who still need to enjoy the resources of our planet. I think that's really great advice for listeners is to kind of run this experiment almost where you can still continue buying your fast fashion items, but then just throw in one sustainable fashion item in there and then you see this difference between them and then you're going to end up wanting to buy more of the sustainable products or maybe not even have to buy more because that one product is going to last such a long time and have such good quality compared to the fast fashion items. Absolutely, absolutely. I mean, I practice this. It is so important to, for every dollar you spend, you just think about just two extra dollars that you can spend and support a small community. It could be a local brand, it could be, it could be a local restaurant, it could be a sustainable organic fruit market, it could be anything, but it's just, you're going to spend your money. I mean, we're all going to spend all the money that we have allocated ourselves, but it's just that we divide that into a certain percentage of sustainable products in all industries, not only fashion, but in home goods or in electronics even, or food, of course, the food is the biggest one, you know, and uh, daily cosmetics and all the other things that we need to kind of, you know, replace with that sustainable one little effort these are just small steps, you know, we have to start somewhere. So we, so we might as well start here. And no better way to start with your own body, what you put inside it, what you put on it. You know, why wear a polyester product, which is going to leave its, I mean, skin is the biggest organ of our body, and it absorbs whatever you put in it. So even the molecules in the polyester shirt that you're wearing are somewhere down the line going to go inside your body. So might as well just look after it. You know, we spend so much money on makeup and cosmetics. Um, so so why, not, why not natural clothing as well? Yeah, that's a really great point. I wanted to hit on this because you brought it up and it was also a very important topic that we discussed in the sustainable fashion episode that I just mentioned is the state of the support for garment workers and how a lot of them are not even thought of when we go to the store and buy something and like you mentioned are they being paid fairly what are their working conditions like so why was it important to you to bring all these women in and can you talk about what kind of opportunities 
this job at House of Hindi provides for them and why that was important for you to really focus on and bring awareness to having these fair working conditions for the women that are working for you? Absolutely. So first of all, I mean, we are always very, very uncertain of the fact that who made your clothes? You know, fashion revolution started this huge uh, movement that who made my clothes? Who made my yarn? Who made my fiber? You have, as a consumer, you have full right to know about what happens behind the product and behind the scenes. I mean, everyone mentions the whole Rana Plaza complex, which happened and, and then how it kind of destroyed everyone's lives. And it just kind of leaves such an awful impact on your concept of fashion and such huge brand names associated with it that um, I, like, I, I don't want to talk about that because I know a lot of people mention and a lot of people talk about it and it's not really a hopeful way to kind of start a conversation. But what really, really um, drove me into, you know, having women as the lead producer behind the product of Hindi was because these women were healthy, well-fed wives whose children go to school. They, they are completely looked after by their families and they know something that we don't know. And we don't exploit them. We don't give them jobs because they need the money, you know. We empower them so that they can make a place in the community for themselves as working women. And the money that they earn is only additional to all the other money they already have. So my purpose of having these beautiful ladies on board was not to kind of give them a job or, you know, just help them produce faster, quicker, better. It was not that. It was a purpose that these beautiful women who belong to a Gaddi tribe know this beautiful talent of spinning and weaving, which other people don't know. And why are they wasting their talent at home just by knitting sweaters for their children? <laughs> they should have a platform to express their talent, to showcase what they know and take forward something that their community has been known for and being a woman to take pride in the fact that they are contributing to the family over and above every single thing that they're doing already so that was the purpose behind it we hired them because they were talented we empowered them because they have a talent that none of us have and we gave them a platform and an opportunity to kind of become better, not only better, just to add a little bit of, you know, finesse, just to add a little bit of design quotient to an already existing craft or an art form, which has been passed down to them from their previous generations. So that's how it kind of evolved. It was never to make things, you know, cheaper. I mean, honestly, it's not a cheap product and it's not cheap to have them. It is the fascination and the, you know, how can I say? It's just the satisfaction of giving someone another means of livelihood just for their talent and just for their passion. And that's when women, and that's when anyone for that matter, enjoys what they do because they are doing it because you have made them feel that this is something that they are really good at and they should showcase it to the world. 
And why not? I mean, if we have an opportunity and we have this beautiful natural resource in front of us and we have this talent to execute it and we have the intelligence to promote it and I can only, you know, imagine that there will be enough demand for for it to grow further why not and and that's kind of the motivation behind it you know it was it was it was nothing nothing monetary it was never financial it was only because there was an opportunity and there was the platform and there were just these beautiful women with a beautiful product just to kind of be combined and create into a beautiful product this is such an amazing and important aspect, I think, of House of Hindi. And I just think how incredible it is that you're preserving this technique that has been around for so long and could have possibly, no one could have known how to continue with this technique if these women don't continue with this job because it's so important and it is very empowering to them, I'm sure. Absolutely, absolutely. The whole point of it is to empower them, support them, encourage them. And of course, and all women are empowered. I mean, I'm no one to say that I'm empowering a woman because all women deep down are super empowered and super powerful to do whatever they want in their lives. It's just that giving them a platform is necessary, which is why women for women, women empowerment, women driven initiatives are so important is because over the years, there's been a overall suppression of sorts that oh you're a woman you should be at home you should look after the kids you should get married and especially in a country like india you know i mean where women are not even sent to school i mean if i go down into the details of it women women like girl children are not even made to be born i mean it's it's that it's that nasty towards women um of course it's to it's times are changing now it's it's not like that anymore but um we're a very large country, you know, and there's very few people who think like us, you and I. Um, so the more we are and the more we support and encourage women to come to work and uh, do what they're really good at or be passionate about, um, you know, what they know and what their talented, uh, talent is, um, the more the platforms, the better it is for the entire community and the entire country eventually. Well, I'm grateful that there's women out there like you who are breaking down these barriers and showing what we have the power to do. And you're also giving a platform to empower all these other women. And it just shows how important supporting each other is because together we can all accomplish so much more than we can individually. Absolutely. I mean, it takes two hands to clap always. The more we and and the more we are, the more sound we can make and the more impact we can have. So the more we get together, I think it is, it is far more better for the world we're in right now. We need it. We need that local support. We need that handholding. We need that encouragement, that pat on the shoulder, all of it. We're in desperate need of it. Yes, definitely. So I'm sure listeners are going to be interested in how they can get involved and purchase products from House of Hindi. So what does that process look like? I know you mentioned a lot of it is very customized. So if anyone's interested in reaching out and buying any products, how does that work? So uh, right now we're just in the process of launching an e-shop. It should possibly be out by springtime next year. Kind of this whole COVID pandemic threw us off a little bit off track, but I think we'll get back to it 
hopefully soon. But most of our products, um, we do re retail kind of showcase um, in a few shops in and around California. And we do tie up with uh, people who have pop-up shops and we kind of, you know, take it from there in terms of local purchasing. Other than that, on the internet, we have a website where you can just basically see what you want, uh, what we do. And then whatever it is that you like, we personally, we get in touch with you, whatever it is that you want for color palette that you would like, we can sell it to you or we can ship it to you worldwide, wherever it is that you're at. We take your measurements over a Zoom call or a phone call. Um, we customize every single detail that, that you would like, the length, the width, every single thing that you would want in your Hindi product. Um, all colors can be customized. All patterns can be customized. Uh, so it's a completely 100% handmade product. So whatever it is that you would want, we can have it made for you. It's, um, you just have to let us know by when you want it and we can have it done for you. So via email, via text, via Instagram, website, whatever it is that you would like to get in touch with us, uh, please feel free to contact us and get your winter wear ready. <laughs> <laughs> yes, well, that's great. I will be sure to share all the links to everything. So can you tell us where we can find House of Hindi on social media or online? Perfect. We are on Instagram. Our Instagram handle is called House of Hindi. And our tagline is Ethical Himalayan Tweed. Our textile is, uh, is type of uh, thick winter woolen fabric so it's beautiful for capes and jackets and gilets and uh, very beautiful quirky uh, dresses like a very boho white dress and of course our home goods include cushions upholstery material uh, and our most iconic uh, art throws which act as a blanket or a picnic blanket or just as a throw on over your bed or whatever it is that you would want to use it a lot of women just buy it as a very large oversized scarf as well because, oh, it, because okay. it feels very beautiful we have I, we have a um, color palette of about eight to nine shades which are all made in combinations of whites and browns and grays. So our color palette is very, very muted and uh, natural. And uh, we have a website, which is www.houseofhindi.com. And of course, you can leave the link below. And anything, anything that it, you need, it can be customized and made to your size and your measurements uh, over and above um, whatever it is, whatever color you need. I've seen the products on the website and I can promise everyone they're very beautiful and very unique. So everyone should definitely go check them out. Moving forward, what are your goals for House of Hindi or what do you see as the future? Uh, I think my biggest goal at the moment would be to get the word out, to spread the, mo you know, the motive behind the enterprise, that why is it that we exist? Not only that you know, we do this and what we do and how we do it. I want people to know that why is it that we're in business and why is it that your support and your encouragement really means a lot to us. So going forward in the next couple of months, that's my aim to, to tell the story as much as possible to kind of get people to start thinking about living sustainably and buying one product instead of 10 products. So that's definitely my like ultimate and my short term goal. Uh, and of course, 
commercially speaking, I would want that uh, House of Hindi gets to a few shops and places um, all around the world. I'm already in conversation with a couple of uh, retailers that will be holding our products. Uh, hopefully by the early next year, we should be live with our e-commerce website as well. And of course, we are going to be a completely, you know, non-mass enterprise, which is the biggest challenge. You know, we try to produce less and have the least amount of damage to the environment around us. Um, so, so having that impact, overall impact and kind of singing that sustainable song is very important for us. Because without that and without the support of, you know, our customers, there's really no point in me talking about this all the time because people need to be there to create demand for the women so that we can produce more and we can hire more women, we can support more families. Uh, and that's only going to happen if there's demand. So, so all my energy is going to go into that and hopefully we'll get there very soon. And with, with such a fantastic platform like yours, I'm pretty sure we're on the right track. Well, I am so excited to see what the future holds for you all. And I just can't wait to follow along with the journey that you guys are on. And I'm sure you know what the next question is going to be, how we finish out all of the episodes. But what are you hopeful about? I'm hopeful for a future that empowers women. I am genuinely really, really hopeful for the fact that people are going to come around to the fact that buying less would actually mean more. And, and just in general, being hopeful for a beautiful life for everyone, you know, and, and not everyone meaning just, just us lot. It means through all social and all economical platforms. It should not only be restricted to the rich. It should not only be restricted to the poor. It should be an, you know, how can I even say it? Yeah, it should be an equal platform for everyone to enjoy the simple luxuries of life. And if we're, if we're on track with all of that, there is a assured, hopeful, hopeful hopeful fantastic future ahead in front of us and if all of us start thinking like that we're not very far i think i'll be i think we'll get there very quickly well anhad thank you so much for being here today and for sharing all about house of hindi i'm really excited for all of the listeners to hear more about your story and to know that there are people out there and fashion companies out there who are really thinking about these issues and trying to make a difference and really have a positive impact on the planet. So thank you for calling in from India and for being our second international guest. This was so fun. Thank you so much for having me. I am so honored and so grateful. Thank you so, so much. Thanks for listening to today's episode. If you want to learn more about today's guest or just say hello, check out the show notes and find us on Instagram at hopefully sustainable pod. Don't forget to rate, review, and subscribe on Apple Podcasts and Spotify. As you finish this episode, remember that we are all on a personal journey to make the world a better place, but it's all about progress, not perfection. Until next time, stay hopeful and stay sustainable.